Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Bonnet. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly, to fly to Paris, Elizabeth. Oh my gosh, you did what every girl dreams of doing, which is just hopping on a plane and flying to Paris. And that's why Marjorie sounds a little bit different on this episode of Best to the Nest, because she is dialed in directly from Paris. Bonjour. This is such an you know, when you say this, it sounds so cliche because, of course, everybody says Paris is beautiful. But, oh, my God, it's so, so beautiful. I know. I just walk along and I'm like, how are people just not spinning 360 degrees as they walk down the sidewalk? Because for people who live here, for Parisians, it's like living in any great city. But it's extraordinary, of course. It's so fun. And, Elizabeth, these are your people. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have any French heritage in you. <laughs> no. But these are these are your people because their life so much revolves around good food. Yes. It's the I mean the night scene here in terms of eating is so extraordinary to walk down the street and it's restaurant 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 restaurant. I mean it just it doesn't end. And then on top of that what's so beautiful is and this is, you know, for people who haven't been to Paris, this would be new to you as well, is in the bistros, all the chairs face out. Yes. So everybody just sort of sits and eats and looks and watches, and it's just very, very, very sweet. But it's, it's you know, when my children were growing up, as, as we talk about best to the nest, for me, I mean, I think as we have families, we all sort of have our priorities of what our families do. And for me, travel was always essential, more so when the children were smaller, because as they get older, they have commitments and things like that. But when they were little, I took them everywhere. That's great. And I, I would have to say that's probably in terms of parenting skills. I'm not sure that this is something you're supposed to be really proud of. I was a great travel mom <laughs> because I you would use all of my producing skills to produce trips. And so I would always figure out, like, what we were going to do and why we were going to do it without telling them so that it would seem more organic to them. But we would just always have a plan that wasn't necessarily a touristy thing. That's so But fun. I would say for anybody who has young children or kids that are, like, middle school, one of the most important things, and I, I did this here because Ian likes to do this usually as well, is... When I had kids, I sort of gave up on the idea of like um, boutique sort of quaint hotels. Right. And went for things that made my life easier after a long day. <laughs> and I think if you have kids, you've got to sort of look at like what the family can handle. And so in Paris, we're actually staying in a Hyatt, you know, and it's, it, but it's the only, I think within the, 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 the total ring of Paris, it's the only high rise. Wow. 
And so what that means is, and I did a lot of research of where I wanted to say, what that means is we're on the 31st floor. My view out my window is the Eiffel Tower. Oh, my gosh. That is the place to be. That's the photo that we posted on the Best of the Nest Instagram page and, and also on Facebook. Because I've been to Paris before, but I've never had this perspective. And a lot of times when people come to Paris, especially if you're coming with children, you want to go to the top of the Eiffel tra- Tower. Or you want to go to the top of the Arc de Triomphe so you can get a view of Paris. And the lines are, you know, to, to get up to the top of the Eiffel Tower, it's like four or five hours. Especially in the summer. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so, like, this is like for staying in Paris, if you had children, this would be, it's just the best. And then I also always book at a hotel where they have sort of breakfast waiting in the morning. Because when you're traveling with kids, you just want to make sure that you feed them really well in the morning. It's so it's inspiring to hear this. Well, there are a couple of things about Paris that I think are so magical. Number one, it there is this beautiful expectation that, of course, you eat a croissant every single day. And yes. that is one of the greatest joys of life. Every time I eat a croissant, Marjorie Punnett, I think to myself, self, why am I not doing this more often? Why am I not living this way more often? It's so magical. Like, I just don't live the, like, stop and get a pastry life at all. Yeah. And I want yeah. to live the stop and get a pastry life. That well, sounds fabulous. It. I love every it there. Every day that I've been here, every day that I've been here, I go upstairs and there's a breakfast buffet. I have a chocolate croissant, yeah. a cappuccino, yeah. fresh strawberries and blueberries, walnuts and almonds. This is how God intended you to live. <laughs> you know that, right? It's really true. I've been seeing, well, I'm loving seeing your images and then when you talk about um, traveling with kids, I've been super inspired the last few days to take my four-year-old daughter just on a mama Bernie trip. Yep. And I just saw their, uh, my old college roommate, shout out to Annie, she was posting pictures of taking her daughter to um, Paris. And they ju- they just yeah. got back, like, I think within the last week and a half, and I was seeing all of her social media posts. And, you know, this is the beauty of social media, and we can complain about it and think that whatever. But you, what is so great about it is you see the people that you've cared about in certain times of your life doing things that are beautiful and that might inspire you. And it totally inspired me. I saw Annie's pictures with her daughter, and they were so cute. And I messaged her, how old is your daughter? Because I want to do this with Bernie. And she said, I think her daughter's eight, and it was the perfect age to do it. And they were having this fabulous trip, just the two of them. And then, of course, you know, the most important thing about travel, I think, is what you bring home with you in terms of seeing how other people live, experiencing other cities, other cultures, and then bringing the best of that home to incorporate into your nest. And it also, I think, and I think it also gives you um, an awareness of the good and the bad. Yeah. Always, depending on where you, where you are. And I think for me, that was a, I grew up as a traveling family. So I traveled quite a bit as a child. Um, my grandmother lived in Mexico City. And so at a very young age, I lived for one summer in Mexico City. And I think I was seven or eight. And that, you know, I was there for, I don't know how long, the summer, nine weeks. And so it made an incredible impression on me. I think because when you're that age, things sink in in a different way. Yeah. And my mom loved to travel. And so, and it wasn't like it was fancy. Sometimes it might be a little fancier than others. But when I would travel with my mom, it might be a little fancy. And then when I would travel with my father, it was usually like he had this van. And we would like all load into a van and just drive somewhere. I mean, it was sort of, it wasn't really camping because my dad wasn't a camper. I don't know what you would really call it. (laughs) Sort of, it was just how he did it. But 
it gave me the feeling of, I love that feeling of being on the road with the people I love. I love that feeling of like, we're doing something so different. We're shaking it up. And I can remember feeling that from a very young age. Oh, that's great. Because I mean, I think the first time I flew, I was six. And so I think when I had kids, I very much wanted them to be good travelers. You know, because, but I think you have to start them young. You have to start them really young. And it's not like the first trip doesn't have to be Paris. I mean, the first trip could be somewhere in Wisconsin. That's a trip. It is you know, funny, though. You'll get a sense of how good your kids are, how much they can adjust to change, how much they can adjust to being perhaps uncomfortable or not in their normal space. Because some people hate that. You know, some people hate that feeling of not being in the familiar, and some children do. Um, but it was really important to me that my kids like it because I like it so much and I wanted to travel with them and so you know at a very young age I would take them I look back now I mean I can remember taking both of them Campbell was probably four and my older son was six down to New Orleans and I was with my mom and we were in the French Quarter at like midnight (laughs) and in the middle of that like I got these teeny kids with me in the middle of that I looked at my mom and I said this maybe wasn't a great idea. <laughs> but the kids are having a good time. I kind of think, though, if you're on idea. a trip and you don't at one point say this maybe wasn't a good idea, then you're not pushing yourself out of your boundaries enough. Perhaps. But they were so little. But we had taken them to see a jazz band. And the only show we could get into was at 1130 at night. Oh, my gosh, Marjorie. And so but I looked at my mom and I said, we need to make sure that nothing happens to these children because Ian will never forget. Because <laughs> I'll have to explain why I'm in the French Quarter at midnight with a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, but, but the joy of that is my kids now, because they're grown men, are really good travelers. They're really, they, they can just navigate almost anything. It's so good to and have I that think, comfort feeling. Yeah. And so that's, that's sort of the fun thing. Um, but, but I think you have to start, and again, it doesn't have to be a trip to Europe. It's just a trip. It's just that feeling of we're going on an adventure. Well, an adventure was a very big word in our family. I was great um, with that with Bernie. When she was born, I think before Bernie was two, she went on like 10 flights. I mean, we took her everywhere. We flew mm-hmm. to California. We flew to multiple places in California. We flew to multiple places in Texas and Colorado right. on ski trips and everything. Franklin, Marjorie, just turned two on the 4th of July, has yet to be on a plane. We did not <laughs> even utilize the free before two flying. It was, right. I think I sort of wore myself out with the traveling with Bernie and then kind of hit the breaking point and thought, I don't know if I can do this. And Frank, yeah, he's and a wild animal. I think we'll roll, get through it. Like yeah. Period. And then when he hits four or five, she'll be seven and then it's perfect again. Then it's game time again. My best friend, Tanya, I mean, she takes her kids. She has taken them. Uh, they've rented a villa in France for 10 days, brings her baby they do i think they've done italy they do they go all over the world and they bring them and the interesting thing about her you know she and her husband are very avid travelers they travel travel everywhere together they're super into adventure i mean they like go to climb machu picchu they do and they don't have a sherpa carry their stuff they're like the only ones who carry their own stuff that's how tanya right. and greg are but she has said that when it comes to traveling especially doing a big trip like that with kids 
even though they're little and they're not going to remember it and whatever. She said the biggest thing is to just shift your expectations of what the trip is. So instead oh, of bouncing from like city to city to city, like they might do, you know, if they were traveling to France, maybe they'd be like, we're going to go to Nice and we're going to go to Paris and we're going to do these different things. Yeah. They find one really great villa that works for them and they rent it and they rent a car and they stay there. And then they do yeah. little like day trips out and about to do things, but they keep that continuity and that, has been really helpful is just shifting the pace at which they travel in order to manage the expectations and actually have it be fun and not feel miserable. Cause you, you cannot, you cannot treat your children like tourists. No, because they, they, they're not, that's not going to be fun for them. So like whenever we would travel, it was more like, um, I mean, I remember taking the kids to New York once and they were, I actually took them because I really wanted them to see The Lion King. Yeah. So I took them to see The Lion King on Broadway. And they were probably, again, like fourth and second grade. So they were a little bit older. But that's a lot. I mean, New York's a lot. I have friends there. And so we were staying with I was staying with friends of my sister. But being in the city's a lot. And I just thought, you know, I really want them to appreciate the city. So I booked one of those, you know, I booked tickets on one of those double-decker buses. Yeah. And we sat on the top for like three and a half hours. Oh, geez. So they were seeing everything, but they didn't have to walk. And I didn't have to be super mindful of like holding their hands at every minute. And we could just sort of laugh and have fun and be on top and not do anything except look around. I remember doing that when we went to London when we were kids. And it was like the first big trip. My my parents, my mom was turned or my dad was turning 40. And my mom, isn't this like hard to believe? My mom, my dad was turning 40 and I was 14. That is, I am so old as a parent (laughs) compared to them. But my dad was turning 40 and my my dad had never been out of the country. So my mom booked a trip to London for him to go and take him. And I remember like three weeks before they were leaving, they woke us up super early in the morning. And they said, right. we need you to get in the car. We're going to get your passports. You're coming with us. And my mom oh. freaked out and couldn't leave us. And so she ended up taking us. They took us all with them. And I rem- It was a last-minute decision. It was a last-minute decision. And it was back when – I remember we flew TWA, and there was still smoking allowed on international flights. And we were in the <laughs> way back of the plane. And um, – I remember they rented like a garden level apartment in London, which is where we stayed. And they they um, they brought us and tickets were super cheap. I mean, it was like something like three hundred and fifty bucks to go to London. It was like a freak time when tickets were just really, really inexpensive. So they were able to just add us in and and go. Um, But I remember doing that double decker bus thing. And I remember just thinking like wow, the world is so big and, and yeah. I wanted to travel. Okay, so you're there with Ian. So I want right. to know what you've been doing and what are you looking at when you're looking in like Parisian restaurants and shops and everything and thinking I have to bring this all home to my house? Well, you know what happens to me is I start looking at real estate. Yep, I know. Now everybody uh, knows Everywhere it. you go. You cannot buy a place in Paris. You should it's, though. I would visit happening. it. That You would get, yeah, that is not happening. But I, this is not a healthy thing, but I go into that fantasy that I can. Yeah. And so I start plotting the fantasy life in Paris. <laughs> so I'm looking at like, I, because I, all, they're all of these real estate offices. And so you can see like, how much is it to rent a little Parisian? So like, I could rent a little 
Parisian, what I would call a Wendy room, like from Peter Pan, you know, when you look up those buildings and there's like a teeny tiny window and somebody lives in that attic, <laughs> you know, for 935 euros a month, Whoa. you could live all the way up in that Wendy room, no elevator, seven flights up. So then you start, you know, I have to start plotting, like, how could this possibly happen? None of it's real, but it makes me happy just to think about that this might not be my last time here, like that I might actually come back someday. But it has been, um, the trip has been pretty extraordinary because one of my really good friends who I've known since I was 11 lives in Italy. And so she came over to meet me. And so for the last three days, the three, the two of us have just, because my husband, Ian, has been in the conference. So he's been in a conference the whole time. So she and I have just been running around and that's the other fun thing about when you have somebody that is really good to travel with yeah that sort of travels the same way you do because mm-hmm. i think everybody has their own travel style ian and i travel sort of differently like when we're in a city i want to see everything yeah he's much more laid back about like he just needs to sort of gently be in it yeah jay and i travel differently too Pardon me, say that again. Jay and I travel differently, too. We run at different his, speeds. I, we kind of run at different speeds in life, but, like, yeah, when we travel, it's the same way. And I think that's fine. You know, you don't always have to say that your husband is your best travel buddy, and you can arrange right. life accordingly. Yeah, and so my friend Mimi came, and it was so much fun because she runs at the same uh, caffeinated level that I do. <laughs> Highly. And so right away, she's like, oh, we have to go over here, and we have to go over here, and she just starts moving. And so, you know, we're walking and moving. And then at one moment, she's like, no, I think that museum's closed. We're getting a taxi. She's got her hand up and she's got a taxi. And I looked at her and I said, you're a water bug. It's like, she's just like moving, 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 moving. And I'm the same way. And so it's been really fun for three days. The two of us were just, you know, we're on the metro and we're, we are, we've been everywhere. But the coolest things that we've seen, and this is for anybody that's thinking about they want to come here, there's a couple of things I'm going to tell you that are, sort of the, of course, everybody sees these in Paris. And then there's one thing that I will tell you about, which I think you would absolutely love. So when I travel, I love to have sort of like mission destinations. Mm -hmm. And so the first place I went when I was by myself is to the oldest patisserie in Paris. Yes. From 1730. Oh my gosh, Marjorie. 1730. It's magic. And so I went there and I just, you know, bought a bunch of pastry and then ate all of those. Yeah. And then the other thing we got to do, which was Ian loves the opera, and we found out that Don Giovanni, um, which is Mozart, was playing in the, at the National Opera at the um, it's the Palace Garnier. And so I went down the concierge and I said, and opera tickets are very, very expensive. So I was very, very afraid. Yeah. And I went down and I said, are there any tickets ava- available for Don Giovanni? Because it was that night. And he looks at me and he goes, impossible. <laughs> impossible and then that for me is like you should never tell me it's impossible because then like the challenge is on (laughs) so then I realized they have in Paris the same thing that they have in New York or anywhere where there's in Minneapolis sort of rush rush tickets yeah that if you stand in line for 25 euros you might get a seat with reduced like reduced visibility for sure so we stood in line for about an hour and a half and we got tickets for 25 euros. Yes. And what they say is partial visibility. Elizabeth, it meant we couldn't see one-eighth of the stage. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. We were in the most beautiful seats on the upper tier. And the thing about the opera house here is the ceiling was painted by Chagall. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, it is. you just can't even believe how beautiful it is. It's just crazy. 
but the thing that took my breath away that um, is always sort of on a secondary list of things you should see in Paris is Saint-Chapelle, which is a, um, a chapel built in the 13th century. And the chapel, as you walk up, it's the, you walk up to the second floor, floor and so you turn this little corner, you know, all these little teeny staircases, and you turn the corner, and it literally took my breath away. Like, you walk in, and it just took my breath away, because what they did is the walls are stained glass. So in most Gothic cathedrals or Gothic chapels, it's stone with stained glass. This is the reverse. It's yeah. mostly stained glass. And 70 to 80% of the glass is original um, from the 13th century. Wow. That's amazing. That's crazy to think about, isn't it? It's so old. It's so old. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's the thing that happens, I think, especially, you know, and I joke like I live in an old house. You know, it was built in 19, yeah. I thought it was built in 1918. Apparently it was built in 1916, I just found out. And so I think that's so old. And that's just nothing. It's just yeah. nothing compared to um, all these places. This is the 13th century. So eight, eight, um, you know, eight generations, no, not eight generations, that's eight centuries of people yeah. have looked at the same window. I know. It's, it's mind-blowing, but it's, it really is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in my whole life because the way that the light comes, obviously the light comes through, um, it, it's, really, it's really extraordinary. And we barely had to wait in line for that. Um, but we went there, and then we went over to Notre Dame just to see yeah, what, what it was left. like because obviously – there was the huge fire. Right. And um, so that was interesting. And then my favorite thing so far, and this is what I think you would love, because I know you've got a lot of hippie in you. Yeah, I do. A lot of hippie. A lot of hippie and a little a bit lot of sparkle. Of hippie in you. So the, the place for you is the left bank, which is the famous, you know, side of the Seine for artists. And there's a little bookstore there called Shakespeare and Company, which is an American bookstore. Second location was opened in 1951 by this guy, um, I think his name, last name was Whitman. But the cool thing about it, Elizabeth, is so I walk in and it's just like old timber and creaky stairs and books everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's just so fantastic. And like every major writer of the 1950s and then has either done a reading there or has been there or hung out there. Wow. And so it's just got this great sort of karma to it. But it um, probably a little it, bit of angst in the creeks, which that feels oh, good. Absolutely, you know that. <laughs> um, but the coolest thing is that they have this thing, which um, they call them tumbleweeds. And the guy who founded this allowed writers who could prove that they were working on a novel or were trying to write poetry, he would allow them to sleep there for a, a bed. So they would or they would sleep there if they would work like two or three hours in the bookstore. Wow. And so the only thing he really asked of them was that they would read a book a day. Oh, my gosh. I know. And so the program, so it was like this loose sort of sort of beat generation sort of tradition, which has now sort of been codified. And so like when you go to the website, you can apply to be a tumbleweed. <laughs> I would love to be a tumbleweed. I have I to actually start working on a novel, which would feel like a lot. You but to prove that you're writing something. I mean, I write I just something. I the idea of the tumbleweed, but it was funny because I, I took a picture, and somebody came by, and she looked at me, she goes, no pictures, oh. which was really cool. So you can't take any pictures in there, 
Except and for it's you. it's really cool because every corner is Instagrammable. <sighs> I mean, every corner is just so clean, so cool, and so interesting. But I kind of love that because the last thing they want are people just coming as posers. Yeah. And so, but I just think you would love it there. I, I thought it had enough hippie in there for you. Oh, that sounds so great. I'm just so glad that you're having this amazing time exploring yeah, the city. it's really fun. I haven't it's been really to Paris fun. in a long time, and I'm totally due for a trip. I just love it. It's just, you're absolutely right that when you walk through, I remember the first time I went there and I would walk, I walked through the city and I just couldn't believe what was surrounding me and what yeah. things were like and how just magical it feels when they say it has this magical feeling. It totally does. If you ever want, um, if you want some really good French inspired recipes too, that are a little bit easier to handle, Marjorie, right. when you get back, you should pick up the Barefoot Contessa. Uh, she has a, oh, really? a Barefoot in Paris book. So she has an apartment in Paris, you know, the Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten. Right. Do you ever watch any of her television cooking? Briefly. Like I've seen not She's a lot. really wonderful. She owned the Barefoot Contessa, this store in the Hamptons for years and years. And then she lives this like this perfect Hamptons Paris life is what she's right. doing. It's fabulous. Right. And, um, but she does a really great job of like just feeling really inspired by those market trips and just the pastries and just sort of the feel of Paris and then being able to incorporate that into an American kitchen in a really simple way. So yeah. you should maybe pick up one of her books. And I'd love that you sort of talk about that. Like, what can you take from it? It's, it's, it's never really, what can we buy? What can I, what can I have? It's sort of really sort of the mental game of what can I bring home with me? Mm -hmm. And I think what's really interesting, and you know, I'm always hesitant to make like huge generalizations about this is the way that people live here. But what's interesting is there's definitely, um, you just watch how much sitting and chatting and talking and eating is going on. Yes. Yes. It's so true. And it's just this, is beautiful. The I mean, cafes are like always busy. busy. Pardon me? The cafes are always busy. Oh, packed. Packed. And what was really cool is so my friend that came to meet me here, just coincidentally, one of her really good friends was here as well and has her friend has an apartment in Paris. So she lived here m most of the year, I think. So she called her friend and her friend's like, well, we just go have to have, go have a picnic. And so... <laughs> It's like, okay, we're going to go have a picnic. So her friend packed up this beautiful sort of, you know, strawberries and lemon chicken and a little champagne and packed everything up. And we met her and she lives right, um, right near the river. And so we walked over and we sat just along the river like everybody does. I mean, it was packed. Everybody sort of had their, their blankets down and everybody was drinking. And it, but it was just, it was such a really lovely thing and it's not like that doesn't happen in the united states of course it does somewhere right, right. but it's just it's a reminder that that's really a fun thing to do well and it would grab a blanket and go sit and people watch sit and people watch hours. and talk you're totally right and i think you know when i was just in norway we talked about how i just loved i just fell in love with the scandinavian simplicity that right. I thought was so beautiful and wonderful. And I just have been thinking about that a lot since I went. And when I think about Paris, I think of of really savoring life, you know, yeah. and when you look at sort of the French culture and savoring life, and there are so many things that 
in the United States, we would feel guilty. We would ruin those experiences by making ourselves guilty about what we weren't getting done if we're doing those things instead of realizing that that's life, that that's what we're living for, that a picnic and champagne and enjoying every bite of everything and every word that you have, I mean, that adds up to a beautiful life. And I think that's something really important. I mean, listen, Marjorie, we got to fight against the American busy. I mean, we have to fight. The movement starts. Busy is not good. and Busy isn't good because you miss so much. And what I feel... Here, we can all feel anywhere. And I think that's the important thing to remember. I mean, I love to travel, of course, but I think to remember that how special my life feels here because I've had a chocolate croissant every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I can do that at home. I can be a pastry person. It's not so much about the chocolate croissant because I probably shouldn't do that every day, but it's about actually sitting for breakfast, Mm -hmm. which I never do. I never sit for breakfast. What I do, my life in Arizona is I throw everything that I think is good for me in a smoothie and I, you know, put it in a, in a cup and I go, Yeah. you know, I could get up 20 minutes earlier and I could actually set a little proper table for myself and have a nice breakfast. Marjorie, if I want to tell you a little magical thing, when you come to stay with me later this summer, this is what you're going to experience. I go out to the chicken coop in the morning to get the eggs to make for breakfast. And then I sit with my children and have breakfast. And that's, Wonder. I mean, the one thing, the one good thing about the porch kitchen with the kitchen being torn up and in a remodel is that I sit out on the porch every morning and just, you know, enjoy it. And I think that is a big thing. If we just had some more moments where instead of just looking at getting through it and getting, yeah. you know, looking at everything as a means to an end, yeah. it's such a more pleasant experience because the end. Yeah. The, the means to the end, the end is death. <laughs> I hate to tell you, you know, I mean, the means are what matters. That's what the means are, what we need to enjoy, not just like thinking to get through it to get to the end. And what a perfectly Parisian existential thing to say. <laughs> I should be, I, that could be the subject of my novel that I can write That's and right. be a tumbleweed. Elizabeth, think about this. What if we both applied and we became tumbleweeds together? It would be fabulous. It would be fabulous. I would love it. And the two of us are living in the bookstore in little cots upstairs. Little cots in, this, in the it'll old... It'll be 20 years from now for you. Yeah, I know. It'll anyway. be good. But it's been wonderful. And I think, you know, the most important thing is I think that if you love to travel, just because you have children, never stop. Don't ever think that that should stop you. It's like, it's like we... I can't remember who it was we talked about where you talked about folding your hobbies, like sharing your hobbies with Bernie. Yeah, that was gardening. And suddenly yep. she loves what you love. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little there's a little learning curve in traveling with young children. And there's a little bit of stress. But, like, if you do it early, they become really good travelers. And then the stress lessens and lessens. And by the time my kids were preteens, they were awesome travelers. And they were just really good companions. Yeah, and then but they're fun to be around. started early. That's I, so I believe that anyway. Oh, Marjorie, listen, have a wonderful rest of your time in Paris and crush that chocolate croissant every day. <laughs> Take that chocolate croissant, crush it, do it. All right. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And if you have a moment, we'd love to get a review from you at Apple Podcasts as well. And please reach out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at Best of the Nest or at Eliz Reese and at It's Me Marjorie One. 
We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Bonjour. Bonjour.